please open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Tonight we are going to be looking at Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. We're going to start, though, reading at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. You may remember that uh, in the very earliest part of the book, Habakkuk is frustrated because he feels as though God is not answering his prayer as um, Judah is declining. Uh, he, he complains before the Lord, and the Lord tells him that he's raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians to come and to invade Judah, which will drive them to repentance. And so what we're picking up here tonight is Habakkuk coming back in prayer uh, and, and bringing his perplexity about this decision of God's um, to light. He's bringing it before the Lord. And then, of course, tonight we'll um, meditate upon the Lord's answer to this newest complaint of the prophet. Habakkuk, beginning at chapter 1, verse 12, this is God's holy word. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them, he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we would ask that you would help us tonight. Lord, you know that oftentimes we have prayers, thoughts, concerns like the prophet Habakkuk. And we know, Lord, this is exactly why you've given us this text and ones like it. 
Lord, we would ask that you would speak to us tonight through your word. Lord, you know we represent many households. Um, We are all in different places, Lord. We would ask that you would speak to each one of us. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see you, hear you, understand your word. Lord, would you recall to our minds the whole counsel of God which you are teaching us. Lord, would you make your word clear to us we would ask that you would help us, that you would hear us for your own glory's sake and for Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. There is a compass that's on display at the National Museum of American History, and it points to a story of survival. On April 16, 1942, a German submarine, the U-123, surfaced in the water, and then it used its deck cannon to open fire on the American merchant ship, the SS Ecola Guide. And the captain of this merchant ship tried his best to ram the sub, but he was easily outmaneuvered. And before long, the merchant ship was on fire and sinking. And so the crew scrambled to lower the lifeboats into the water and they pulled away from their sinking ship and they could see the submarine uh, illuminated in the flames um, there as they uh, were sailing away and they were grateful that uh, the submarine didn't fire upon the lifeboats. And the crew used a small compass on the lifeboat to sail west by northwest toward the shipping lanes. And after three days, a patrol plane spotted the lifeboat. Uh, The next day, the American destroyer, uh, USS Broom, rescued the men. 26 crew members survived and seven perished. The crew lived by trusting their compass to lead them to safety. In a similar way, the Lord calls upon you to trust his word. God wants you to know that he is trustworthy and that he is just and that you should live by faith. That's what the Lord is wanting to teach as he speaks. It's what he's wanting to teach the prophet. It's what he's wanting to teach his church. It's what he's wanting to teach you. In verse 2 and 3, you can see that our text is about God's word. It's about God's reply to Habakkuk, the vision or word Habakkuk received from the Lord. But how should you walk with the Lord? How do you live by faith? The answer is given in this passage. Let's begin with our first heading, which is live by reading his word. Live by reading his word. The book of Habakkuk opens with the prophet asking God why he's being silent. The prophet is frustrated with what he perceives to be God's inaction. Judah was experiencing quick moral decline, and the prophet wanted the Lord to intercede. And the Lord breaks his silence and he tells Habakkuk that he is raising up the Babylonians to invade Judah, which in the end will bring about their repentance and their restoration. And the news really shakes up the prophet. He becomes perplexed. 
Habakkuk was aware of how ruthless the Babylonians were, and he couldn't understand how the Lord could do this. So the prophet comes before God again, and he prays, O Lord, you are eternal. You're all-knowing. You're holy. You are of purer eyes than to look upon evil. And Lord, you are in control of all things. You're sovereign. How can you do this? How is this consistent with your character? And then in chapter 2, verse 1, the prophet ends by saying that he's going to wait upon God for an answer. The Lord wants Habakkuk to know that he's trustworthy and just. And therefore, the prophet should live by faith. And living by faith begins with being familiar with God's word. Now God responds essentially saying, it's all right, Habakkuk. I've heard your prayer. I understand that you are perplexed. Here's my answer. The Babylonians will punish Judah, but then they will be destroyed. You see, the greatness of Babylon is going to be short-lived. Habakkuk is about to find out that God is going to bring judgment upon Babylon. He will raise up the Medes and Persians to destroy them. Draw your attention to chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. The Lord tells the prophet to write the vision, to record what he says, to capture every word. He says, to make it plain. Why? Why does God want his word written down? He's doing it because he wants Habakkuk and everyone else to know that his word is certain. God says, mark my words. Write them down so you have record of them. Let it be evidence that my word is true. These are God's words. They're divine. They're authoritative and true. God's word creates and it defines reality. They carry the full weight of his authority. They have the power to bind the conscience of man absolutely. They have the power to do all of God's holy will. The Lord told Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain. He wants his word to be very clear so that anyone reading it will understand, believe, and be equipped to run faithfully. So that they'll be equipped to live by faith. The scriptures contain everything that a person needs to know concerning salvation, faith, and life. The Bible is authoritative. It's clear. It's necessary and it's sufficient. The scriptures are the sole source, the sole source of divine revelation and teaches what we are to believe concerning God and the way of salvation. The word of God tells us how to live, how to behave, how to think, how to walk in holiness. God wanted his word written down because he wants it read. He wants it to be known, understood, remembered. He wants it to be reflected upon. He wants people to benefit from it. 
He wants it to be written down because it's intended for a wider audience than Habakkuk. It's written down for the benefit of Judah, for the church of all ages, and for you. That's why God preserved it. Imagine that one of your children or one of your classmates had to write a paper. They're having to write a paper for their history class, and it's on the American Civil War. And they come to you and they say, I'm so lost. I haven't even started my paper and it's due in two days. I have no idea what to write. And you ask, well, what does your textbook say? What are some highlights? What are some of the major events that took place around the Civil War? And then they replied, I don't know. I haven't read the textbook. You'd say, well, of course you're lost. Of course you're lost. How are you supposed to know what to write if you haven't read the book? Similarly, Christians who don't read God's Word might feel lost. How can you live by faith if you don't read God's Word? If you're not familiar with this Word, if you're unfamiliar with what it is that you're supposed to believe. Read the Word of God regularly. Memorize it. Write it on the tablets of your heart. Meditate on His Word. God made sure that His Word was written and preserved because He wants it to be read. But what good is reading God's Word if you don't believe it? You might know that a fire alarm is sounding, but if you think it's a false alarm, you're not going to react. Likewise, you can't live by faith if you don't believe That's what we're going to consider next. Live by believing His Word. Live by believing His Word. The Lord told Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. And he continues in verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. God tells Habakkuk that what he is giving him is prophecy about future events. He says, Habakkuk, what I'm telling you to write will take place at the appointed time in the future. And he's referring to the woes of judgment he pronounces on Babylon in verses 6 through 20. God wants people to know that judgment is coming. It will surely come. The the time for fulfillment is fixed. The exact moment has been determined. And it will not be late. God foretells what's going to happen. He reveals it to Habakkuk. The Lord reminds him that his word is absolutely certain. He tells the prophet that, It's going to take place at the exact minute appointed. It won't be a fraction of a second late. In verse 3, the Lord says that his word hastens to the end. What the Lord says will come to pass. You can count on it. God's word is unstoppable. His decree is hastening forward. Have you ever had an important appointment 
uh, an appointment that um, is coming. Maybe you're going to have a big surgery or maybe it's an interview. Maybe you're going to take a test. Um, something that's coming and as the days draw close, you're counting the days. I got a week left. I got three days left. I have two days left. Then I have 24 hours left and you start doing the math. Uh, you sleep, you wake up, right? You say, I have eight hours left and six. What time am I going to have to leave? You're counting it down. Sometimes when you're stressed out about the thing, you wish you could stop time, that you could hit pause, but you can't. It hastens forward, whether you want it to or not. When God's Word goes forth, there is no stopping it. It will take place. It's reliable. God's Word will always, always, always be fulfilled. The Lord says His Word hastens to the end. It will not lie. The Word of God cannot fail to achieve its purpose. Scripture is infallible because of the character of God. Scripture is God-breathed, and since God is truth itself, He is incapable of telling a lie. If God never lies, His Word never lies either. You can therefore trust it to be free of all error. Consider how verse 3 ends. The Lord says, If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God tells Habakkuk, at times you're going to feel impatient. I know that. But you must live by faith. Believe. Trust Me. My Word will surely surely come to pass. And patience is something that Habakkuk has been struggling with, right? We've seen that. The book opens with the prophet praying, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Circumstances made him grow frustrated and impatient. And you can see that in almost each one of his questions, can't you? Can you identify with Habakkuk? Have you ever called a, a grocery store or maybe a, a do-it-yourself um, do type place and, and you've done a stock check, right? The person answers the phone and you tell them, hey, I want to come down. I'm looking for this product. Can you make sure that you have it before I come? They say, yeah, will you, will you please hold while I go check it? And so you agree. And then you sit there on the phone. You're on hold. You're listening to their nonstop commercials. And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. Five minutes go by, and you start wondering how long it takes. Ten minutes passes, and you start wondering if you've been forgotten by the time you've been on hold 15 minutes, you've just about lost all hope. You're running out of patience. And when you finally lose faith, you hang up. God hasn't forgotten about you. Stay on the line. Be patient. 
He wants you to believe him. He wants you to trust him. The Lord sees when you're frustrated. He hears your prayers. Maybe you're having trouble seeing it, but he is working. He is working. Place your faith in God's word. Believe in the Lord Jesus. God says, if my word seems slow, wait for it. Verse 3 ends with the Lord saying, the fulfillment of his promises will surely come to pass. It will not delay. It won't delay. Habakkuk waited for God's word like a watchman on the guard tower and the Lord answered, Babylon would be judged. The Lord ensured Habakkuk that his word wouldn't fail. And he called him to believe. God calls his people to live by faith, to live according to his word, to put his word into action in their lives, in every sense, to live by applying his word. That's our third heading, live by applying his word. At this point in the text, a transition begins to take place. God told Habakkuk that he wanted his word to be written down, and then he emphasized that it was certain. His word was truth, and now God begins to transition into pronouncing judgment upon Upon Babylon, you might consider verses 4 and 5 something of a preamble to the woes of judgment that you see there in verses 6 through 20. In verse 4 and 5, God speaks of two types of people. It's a contrast that he's making between the righteous and the soul that is not upright. A contrast is made between people of faith and people of pride, the believer and the unbeliever, the one who trusts the Lord and follows him, and the one who does whatever's right in his own eyes. Verse 4 says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And from the context, we understand that Babylon is the primary person spoken of here as being puffed up or arrogant. In Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk points to the pride of the Chaldeans in verses 8, 10, 11, and 16. And their self-righteousness and unbelief leads to sin and death in contrast to the life which awaits the righteous. In our text, God refers to the unbeliever as puffed up and says that their soul is not upright. The Hebrew literally says their soul is not straight. Sometimes we, pe- we speak of people being crooked, right? We say that, that guy or that girl is crooked. What do we mean? We mean they're, they're dishonest. They're morally corrupt. They're They're criminals. These are cosmic criminals who refuse to submit to the Lord as God. In verse 5, the Lord gives a further description of them. He says, Moreover, 
Wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. This is an indictment against Babylon. What's the big idea of verse 5? The Lord says, Babylon... You conquer nation after nation after nation after nation. You never get enough. You are never satisfied. And God uses several examples to communicate His point. He says, wine is a traitor. What's the lie that the alcoholic feels in his own soul? What's the one lie that he tells himself? I'll just have one. All right, maybe a few, but then I'll stop. But their craving is never satisfied. Likewise, the arrogant man can't get enough of himself. Life is all about them constantly. The Lord says, like death, he has never enough. Sin and unbelief are a bottomless pit. It's never satisfied. Unbeliever, you will never find rest for your soul until you put your faith in Jesus. God designed you to be in a relationship with Him. And you can try to replace him with various people and with experiences and with things, but it will be like trying to fill a bottomless pit. Life, true, meaningful, and everlasting life comes through faith. The last half of verse 4 says, The righteous shall live by faith. God just finished saying, write my word down. My word is certain and true. What are the three aspects of genuine Christian faith? Knowledge, assent, and trust. True believers must know something of the Lord Jesus and the gospel. You must assent or agree that the content of the Christian faith is true. Sincere faith says that God's word is true. True faith refers to personal trust and reliance. You have saving faith when you know and assent to the claims of Jesus and personally trust in Him alone for salvation. Living faith is abiding. It remains. And it's active. Faith isn't something that you demonstrate one time at an evangelistic event. Faith isn't something that happens at the beginning of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Believers are supposed to continue to put their confidence and trust in the Lord. Saving faith walks in obedience to God's Word. 
You're supposed to live out your faith even when it's hard. Abraham, for example, had to live most of his life without an heir, and he never saw a numerous seed, though God had promised these blessings. He died never having possessed the land of promise, nor the seed in in whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And yet the Scriptures say that Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the conviction of things not seen. Faith embraces the promises of God's Word. It's optimistic based upon the character of God who cannot lie. God is calling Habakkuk to live by faith. The prophet was troubled because of the national sins of Judah, and he was even more distraught when he learned that God was raising up the Babylonians to discipline them. And The Lord is teaching his prophet that he's going to have to live by faith and trust him. In this passage, the Lord begins to answer Habakkuk's questions. He told the prophet to record his word on tablets, and he assures him that his word will not fail. It's guaranteed by God's character. The Lord tells Habakkuk that he can expect justice. God is going to judge Babylon for their sin, but it's not going to be easy for anyone. The Lord understands that sometimes your life is going to feel like it's falling apart. Like nothing is going right. Like maybe God has gone away on a far trip. And this is one of the reasons God has provided you with His Word You can see His Word. You can see all of His promises in black and white. You can hold on to them. You can read them. You can reread them. You can memorize them. You can preach them to your own soul. You should preach them to your own soul. You can remind the Lord of His promises. You said, you said right here, You could call upon Him to fulfill His every word. They cannot fail. They will not fail. In this passage, the Lord calls upon you to live by faith. He's telling you to rely on His Word. God wants you to know that He is trustworthy. He is altogether trustworthy and just. You should live by faith. How do you live by faith? Live by reading, believing, and applying His Word. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the whole counsel of Your Word. And we are mindful of you saying that you are going to go away, but that it's good that you go away because if you go away, you're going to send a comforter, a helper,
someone who will empower us, even the Spirit. And we are grateful that we have that promise that you have not left us as orphans, but that you have provided us with your word, even with the community, your bride, the church, and you have given us your spirit uh, that might lead us into truth and empower us and strengthen us to follow your word. Lord, we need your help. Uh, We would ask that you would empower us. Lord, we would ask that you would give us a hunger a hunger that's like our hunger for food, but a hunger for your word. Lord, would you help us? And would you help us to really read it? Not to just read the words and to finish a chapter, but to really read it. And Lord, would you give us ears to hear? Would you speak to us? Lord, you know how we need your encouragement. We would ask that you would build in us a regular pattern of reading your word. We know we wouldn't be healthy if we didn't eat regularly. Likewise, we need to feed upon your word. Lord, would you help us? Would you give us the strong desire? We would ask it that we would live as unto you, applying your word. We'd ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory's sake. Amen.